Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. Last year, we've had the whole journey of the life of Jesus. And as we're headed to our next series, I wanted to give us some connection points of why we chose this particular next study and what it means to how it all weaves through in Scripture. So throughout the life of Jesus, we talked about in his journey that he was really changing people's perspectives because they had an idea of God's kingdom, and it was very much centered on who the Jewish people were, who Israel was, and that was a great identity. But Jesus tried to dig through God's word with them and live in such a way to show that God's plan all along had been to be for all people and invite all people into becoming his children and be a part of the kingdom. So Jesus was really trying to reframe for people what it meant to be a follower of God and how people were all invited in and how you forgive your enemies, and you care for the vulnerable. So Jesus was doing all of these things, and he was being the Messiah they didn't realize was in their presence, that they didn't realize they needed, that his care for their spirits was different than just care for them as a nation. So as Jesus did all this, he's caring for his followers, and he's mentoring some of these followers of his to take the next step. Because he knew his time on earth was not forever. And he was trying to instill in his followers um, a passion for the same perspective of God's kingdom and a willingness to go out and spread that good news. At the very end of Luke in chapter 24, and we read this back in the spring, but let's recall, when Jesus had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted his hands up and he blessed them. If you want to put that on the screen for us. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They stayed continually at the temple, praising God. So that was the last moments in the book of Luke that we read about that Jesus saw his followers. And now in in the book of Matthew, you may have heard of the Great Commission where he speaks and he tells them to go. But we don't have that written down in Luke that we read. But we know that Jesus gave them a job to do. When he returned to heaven, it was up to the humans, the humans who were left. And so the job Jesus gave his followers involved two key words that we have talked about the last couple of weeks here. First is commission. The job Jesus gave to his disciples was to spread God's kingdom and to share the news that Jesus was the Messiah. And that is commission. We talked about that as being when Jesus gives us a purpose, a greater purpose, a a situation to do, and a task that we can take on too. And if you recall, we read Luke 8. There was a parable about a farmer sowing seeds. And we remembered that that could be applied to us and that we are also commissioned to plant seeds of Jesus' love. But how were the disciples supposed to do that job? How are they supposed to live out their commission to spread the news of Jesus? And we, we say that that is 
stewardship, using the resources that God gives us in order to live out his love. And last week, Steve talked about that word stewardship, taking care of something that's not really your own. So if you're a caretaker of things, and we had the one parable where the king gave money to his servants and said, go invest them. That was a type of stewardship. But we said that's not just about money, but it's about our time and our opportunities and that our skills. Anytime we use something we have, we realize that God gives it to us for a purpose. And we can use that to benefit other people. That's being a steward. Now, here's the interesting part. For all the believers in Jesus across time and space, anyone in the Bible, anyone here today, our commission is the same. We're all supposed to share Jesus. If we believe and we follow and we love, then we all have the same commission given to us. Share Jesus with others. Spread God's kingdom. But how we do that, our stewardship, using what God gave us, that's going to look different. That's going to vary by our context. Because how we live now is different than how the disciples lived then. What we have available to us now is different than what they had then. So our commission is the same. Our stewardship is different. Now, even today, by person to person, we can look around and you can compare that people have different resources and opportunities. So everyone's stewardship today is going to even look different from one another. So I want to give you a contrasting visual of some people who have a similar commission, but different stewardship. So we have first Queen Elizabeth II. We all know her passing this week. The world knows her name. The world knows her face and her role. And her commission was to care for her people. And they've been replaying a speech that she gave at age 21, saying she would spend her whole life serving her country. And for 70 years, she stewarded the throne. So she had a commission to care for people. And what did she steward? Well, what was given to her? Royalty. And we could have many conversations about how well that went and the point of the throne and a lot of different things we could look at about what royalty means in the United Kingdom and the good and the bad choices that she made in her role. But the point was is that she spent 70 years stewarding and trying to fulfill her commission. But think of the amount of opportunity she had. She has worldwide fame. Think of all of the people she could just immediately interact with if she felt like it. Like the resources that she could steward were vast. Now, let me compare a neighbor up the street. His name is George Smith. The world doesn't know his name, but the people of Walnut Hills do. And perhaps if you've been at any of our festivals or events, you will have probably seen George. And I see some nods out there. He's always on a scooter. He always has a really great hat. And if you went down to the Parkside Cafe this afternoon, in their parking lot, there's another building, and there's a wall right there, and that's the mural that you see in the second picture. And on the far left is George's face. He is so beloved in the community that his face is on a wall. He's on a mural here. Now, George... His commission is similar to the queen's. He is taking care of people. He has been designated. He is the representative of the Alexandria. It is a low-income senior citizen housing on the corner of Taft and Gilbert Avenues. And his job is to take care of the people in his building. 
similar commission of the queen taking care of her people. But George has vastly different resources. In fact, when the power outage went out, uh, had all kinds of heat and storms and issues, and maybe some of you lost power this summer, George's building lost power for a couple of days. He spent the night on the street because the elevator didn't work. Couldn't get his scooter in. And it was hot inside. The air wasn't on. And so then he began using his opportunities to go to city council meetings and to speak out and to say, we don't have safe accommodations here in my building with my people, with me. And so now he uses his opportunities, his voice. He shows up at events. He tells stories of the people in his care to advocate for them. He's using, stewarding the resources that he has. Now, obviously, they look very different from the queen's resources. But he does what he has, and he's made a difference in our community. And if, if you wouldn't mind, sometime today, if you could please pray for George and another neighbor of ours, Mike, because they were involved in a random shooting last night, and they're both in the hospital this morning. They are okay, will heal apparently, but please pray for them. Keep them in your heart and minds, please. So the late Queen Elizabeth and George Smith, very different people. But here we can see that every person, no matter your context, can live out a commission in the way that you can, in your neighborhood, in your community. You make a difference to someone, even if you're not known worldwide. And that's what we're challenged to do with our faith. And we know a lot of famous believers, and we know a lot of us, normal people maybe, just looking around at each other, and we all have different skills and abilities and opportunities. But as a reminder, our commission is the same as Christians, as all believers, sharing Jesus. And how we do that is going to look different. So the reason why I keep bringing up these two words is because they infuse our next series. In the New Testament portion of our Bibles, there are letters. Letters written by followers of Jesus. And so when Jesus taught them, here's your commission, here's your stewardship, go and live out this ministry. These letters are pieces of that because they're writing to churches and they're saying, here's how you can live out God's commission. Here's how you should steward the resources here in your community. And because the commission is the same, but the stewardship is different, some of the letters you're going to see similarities and some letters you're going to see nuances based on certain people in certain areas and what they needed to focus on in their ministry. But in all of these letters, you will see there's some sort of commission. They're reminding people of their purpose. There's some sort of stewardship. They're giving you tips on how you should live this out. So we picked two letters written by two disciples. We've got Peter and we've got John. And for our series, we've titled this Hope and Light because in the book of 1 Peter, we see the word hope mentioned a number of times. And in 1 John, we've got light. But I also like this, because as I was working this week, here's the connection I made, is that a living out Jesus' commission is living out hope. But how we do it individually is how each of us shine out our personal light. Too much? I don't know. I found the connection fun this morning. So the verses we've got today are just, we're just going to briefly touch at the beginning of 1 Peter and super encouraging, we're going to read the opening verses of this letter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus the Messiah, to God's chosen ones who live as foreigners among the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been set aside in advance by God the Father 
through the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience, and for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus the Messiah. May grace and peace be poured out lavishly on you. I'm always fascinated because these letters are like, what an introduction. Like, how often do you begin your letters with such flourish? <laughs> There's usually, you see an author introducing themselves, and you see who they're writing to. So our author is Peter. And as we can remember Peter, he's one of those well-known disciples of Jesus. He always has those big stories, right? He's very bold, speaks right up, speaks his mind. He's like one of the first people we read about, Luke 9, to say that Jesus, yes, you are God's Messiah, I believe it. But he's also very impulsive. He's the one chopping off the guy's ear who tries to arrest Jesus. You know, he's doing some things. He's got his good moments and his bad. He denies knowing Jesus, but then he's one of the first people to run to the tomb. So Peter, he names himself as an apostle here. So we've called them disciples throughout the book of Luke, and disciples means a student or a follower. They're learning. But apostle means messenger, one who is sent. So if you notice, all of these disciples, they're calling themselves apostles now because they are taking on that commission and they're being sent out. So that's what he's identifying himself as. Now, I am an apostle. I am sent out to you. And so who is he talking to? The five areas mentioned, if you want to put up a map, we've got an old school map and a new map. So it's modern day Turkey. But this area of the world is very different. He calls them that they're living as foreigners in the dispersion. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in the coming weeks. But they're still living under the Roman Empire. So they're not, they don't have all these full rights, and we're going to discuss some of that later. But for now, just know that there's not just one people group he's writing to. This letter gets passed around, and it goes to some areas that are in rural, rugged areas. Some of them are on the coast. Some of them are small towns. Some of them are big cities. So a lot of different ways of people looking at life and how they're living. It would be kind of the same as if Peter just picked five states out of the United States and sent us a letter. We would all have different needs going on in our local communities, but he's trying to present to them principles that they can learn from in order to live out their stewardship. Peter calls them chosen ones. He doesn't talk about their ancestry. He doesn't talk about their social status or their wealth. He talks about their faith. They are chosen, not because their faith was any greater than anyone else, but he's saying, we're all chosen, and you've chosen to say yes back to God, to be part of his kingdom. And so he just wants to give them encouragement to say, where you're living, where you're living right now, it may not feel like home. It may not be the place that you grew up. You might be Jewish. You might be Gentile. You're all working together. You have a new identity as Jesus followers now. So let's all talk. We're all part of the same family. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 says, May God be blessed, the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. His mercy is abundant. And so he has become our father in a second birth into a living hope through the resurrection from the dead of Jesus, the Messiah. This has brought us an incorruptible inheritance, which nothing can stain or diminish. At the moment, it is kept safe for you in the heavens while you are being kept safe by God's power through faith, for a rescue that is already and waiting to be revealed in the final time. 
Now, we see God listed as father here. That would have been something that people would have said back in the day. Jewish people, Roman people, Greek people, they might say, they lift up a God as a father. But for them, it wasn't this like snuggly, loving concept. It was more like, here are the rights. You know, a father would have rights and say over what his children did or didn't do as children. There's legal protection there. A father would give a a child in marriage when they become an adult. Like there's just, there's some authority and some say that a father has over his people. So that's kind of the way, just for years, they kind of described as God's as father. He's our legal protector. You know, they kind of had this stiff relationship. What Peter is saying is like, God's like rebirthing us. He's giving us new life and we're now a new household together trying to communicate a different concept of parenthood with God. And so Jesus, he's also mentioned here as the Messiah. And so that's Peter's commission, right? He's supposed to share the good news. He's supposed to share this information. And so he's reiterating that we are following Jesus. He wasn't just a person on earth. He was God's chosen one. I love the phrase living hope. That's a key. That's part of the reason why we named it Hope and Light is from this verse. He says that we are, God is making us into a new people through living hope. So Peter is trying to remind people, like, it's not that Jesus just lived on earth and he died on a cross, but he's like, we believe he rose again, that he's a living God, that he's not just someone we pray to in a grave. He's a living hope. And that's a beautiful reminder for all of us because Jesus is living And that is why we can have hope for that rescue that he mentions here. A rescue is ready and waiting for us. Let's keep moving into verse 6. Peter says, that is why you celebrate, that being this living hope. Yes, it may well be necessary that for a while you may have to suffer trials, tests of all sorts. But this is so that the true value of your faith may be discovered. It is worth more than gold, which is tested by fire, even though it can be destroyed. The result will be the praise, glory, and honor when Jesus the Messiah is revealed. You love him, even though you've never seen him. And even though you don't see him, you believe in him and celebrate with a glorified joy that goes beyond anything words can say. Since you are receiving the proper goal of your faith, namely the rescue of your lives. Now, the specific audience that Peter is writing to here, we said he's in a specific context. He sent this to three regions, or five regions that we talked about. And something's going on there. Like, he notes that they're suffering. And we'll talk about this more in the coming weeks, but the suffering could have been about the heaviness of the Roman Empire and how they were treating believers at the time. It also could be that many of them were living as slaves in a very harsh system. But Peter is encouraging them, even if you're facing the threat of death, to hold on to the living hope. That's a lot. It's like a heavy thing. He's trying to just say, he's recognizing, he wants them to be seen. To be like, you're suffering, I see it, and Jesus sees it. And your faith is shining because of it. And that's hard to always grasp when you're the one who's doing the suffering. But I'm sure we can all think of people in our lives, who we've watched go through hard things, 
and it's amazing that they can come out on the other side. And I hope you have some people in your lives who you've seen this, that you've seen them endure. And it makes a difference. And when you're going through stuff, you don't think it makes a difference. But other people notice can have hope because of your example. And so Peter is saying, keep going. People have seen it, but most importantly, Jesus has seen this. He sees your faith, and you will be rescued. You will be rewarded. It might feel like forever right now, but something is coming. So I like this one translation that says, when he returns, there will be an explosion of praise. Like, Jesus is going to celebrate you. There's still more positivity from Peter when he commends them for believing without seeing. And can, I can just imagine, like, when Peter was still that young adult, teenager, hanging out with Jesus. Remember when Jesus sent them out, like, okay, go practice. Go start telling people in the surrounding villages about me. Well, Peter and his friends, they had a good time. They, they were like, we did it. And they could probably just point and be like, see that guy over there in Galilee? That's Jesus. That's the Messiah. Well, then years went by, and when Jesus went back to heaven, Peter can then talk to the people and say, remember Jesus who lived among us? Yes, he was the Messiah. But now he's got a whole nother generation of people. He might have been writing in like AD 64, about the timing there. So 30 years from Jesus' resurrection, lots of people have never met him. Or they're living in an area where they've never even had contact with people who have met them. So can you imagine the wonder of Peter to be like, here was this friend of his who he interacted with, a living, breathing human. And he has all these amazing stories and he's like, you guys believe in him and you haven't even met him. Like, that would be pretty fabulous if somebody was really excited about, like, your friend. And you're like, you haven't even met him, but you don't even know how great he is. Like, so amazing. But yet, you believed without seeing. And I read that verse sometimes and I was like, yeah, that feels good for me. Because that's all of us. We believe without seeing. It is not always easy. But I hope we feel that encouragement. But Peter's like, I know it's not the same because I hung out with them. But you guys are just trying to imagine how great he is. He's giving such encouragement. So let's summarize all this positivity from Peter in these first verses. He says, you're chosen ones. You're now a new family in God. And he's like, I know you're suffering, but keep shining your faith because you have a living hope. So that's a nice letter. I think I'd like to get a letter like that. As we noted, these letters are written to certain people in certain contexts. So we're going to look each week and we're going to see like, okay, we know their commission is the same as ours. How are they stewarding it? What can we learn from it? Is it similar to our stewardship? Let's take a look. So first, who was being commissioned? Chosen ones. That's, that's the key words he's using. So let's compare that to us. Are we chosen also? Yes. We're all invited into God's family. It's a big family lasted many generations, but the same family that Peter's saying they're part of, we get to say yes to that too. We're also in that chosen family. And some days is easier than others to take in that identity as children of God. Like some days you might feel it, feel confident about it. Other days it might seem not very realistic. So just let's take in these verses. Number two is what were these chosen ones, what were they being challenged to steward? And I didn't expect to find this, but yet when I kept reading it, I was like, they're stewarding their suffering. That's what he keeps talking about here. 
I mean, they might have had resources and opportunities. They might have had funds. They might have had skills. But he's looking right now and he's saying, you can do something with this suffering. And that's usually not on my list of like things that I have at hand. Like, oh, I can volunteer at church because I have time or I have skills to be on the tech team or I can take care of kids. But yeah, I carry around trauma in my everyday life. That's great. Pain. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Got that. We don't like think of that as being like a bonus or like a benefit or a blessing to anyone because like I said, when you're in it, you don't feel like it can be an opportunity for anything. And yet, Peter said in verses 6 and 7, for a while, you might have to suffer, but the true value of your faith is being discovered. And you might not discover it yourself before somebody else discovers it for you. Like I said, sometimes we can see other people's example quicker than we can see our own. But Jesus is showing he redeems everything, even suffering. And we may wonder, what is it all for? But back to our our verses is just, I hope that we can just read this and just have a reminder to have a little bit of faith, a little mustard seed of faith to just say, maybe this is worth something. Maybe you can redeem something out of what I'm going through, Lord. Back to our opening example and our neighbor, George. Just as he has talents and he has passion and opportunities to speak up, he's suffered. He's had losses. He's got physical issues. He's got pain. He's lost family members. But he keeps showing up and he keeps speaking out. And every time I see him, I'm encouraged. Because I think he keeps going. He keeps using any opportunity to connect with people. And I'm inspired, and I don't know if he knows that. I don't know if he feels that. Like, he's just like, I had another day where it's just like, I'm in pain. But his example means something to me. He's being a living hope. And so when we keep going and take one more step, when you, just, when you are willing to wake up the next morning and just, just take a step forward, it means more than you realize. So I know many of us, people watching, listening, people here in this room. I know we've gone through some stuff and are going through stuff now. And doesn't feel glorified and shiny and happy and gold, but it's doing something. So let's have three reminders here. I hope that you will reread 1 Peter 1 and remember you are chosen. We're all chosen by Jesus to be a part of the family. You're seen and valued and celebrated. Number two, you will be rescued. The result will be praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. And number three is your faith matters. It matters. Know that when you have a mustard seed of faith, it can be tiny and it may not feel like much to you, but it can mean a lot to be a living hope for someone else. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for working through us, even in our suffering, even in our pain, even when we don't see it. Help us to keep stepping forward and trusting that you're doing something, that you're redeeming the things that we're going through, whether you're using it to minister to other people, if we can be hope for other people, and also just give us hope to keep going for ourselves. Remind us that we will be rescued from pain, that it won't always feel this way. God, thank you for giving us a commission and trusting us with a purpose. And help us to steward 
that well this week. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.